This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shape podcast, Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 72 is here. I hope everyone had a great weekend. A big week coming up. The Subway Series is here, and we will get into that a little bit later with our special guest, Scott Reinen, who will help me preview the series from the Bronx point of view. So you're going to get a little bit of Mets, you're going to get a little bit of the Yankees, and I want to start off talking talking about my time at the game on Saturday because it leads right into our first topic of the day. So I attended the Mets game this weekend against the Padres. Blake Schnell versus Chris Bassett. First time not seeing Cookie Carrasco pitch because every time I've been going to the game over the past two years, Cookie Carrasco was on the mound. Now this pitching matchup between Blake Schnell and Chris Bassett. You think about it off the top of your head, and it should be a great pitching matchup, right? But Blake Schnell's had a tough go this season. He's had a tough go with the Padres. But the Mets let him off the hook. The offense let him off the hook. Now you go to Chris Bassett's side, Started off pitching four perfect innings, no hit innings. I, I, I couldn't remember if when and where he got a, a hit batter. And um, it's the longest I've seen a perfect game, no hitter uh, going on in person. So you thought that maybe something could happen. You, you get a little more into it once you get to the fifth or sixth inning. It didn't get to go that far. I usually get up from the game when the pitcher's on the mound, when the team's on the field, especially after they gave up the first hit of the game. I don't like to leave when something like that's going on, especially if it's a no-hitter. But once they give up a hit, I usually, that's my time to get up, go to the bathroom, or, you know, get something to eat, get a snack. And I usually like to stay for the hitting because, you know, that's when things go down. And I don't like to miss a home run. I don't like to miss a big run score. Big mistake. Don't want to miss anything from the offense. But to be honest, they've been doo-doo this past week. I, I always post it on Twitter when this offense plays like doo-doo. I'll put the a little emoji out there. But they've been playing like this probably since pre-All-Star break, right? They struggled against the Cubs. Although they won three out of four games, they could have easily lost three out of four games. They could have got swept with the way the offense was playing. But thanks to the pitching, the pitching has kept them in this. The starting pitching, for sure. Now, with the trade deadline coming up August 2nd, I think at 6 p.m., the Mets need to make some moves. And they made their first strike of the deadline on Friday, which leads to our very first topic of the day. And that is the Mets trading for Daniel Vogelback. The trade included Colin Holderman, who got sent to Pittsburgh in exchange for Vogelback. And let's take a look at Vogelback here and his stats coming in to the New York Mets this season. 12 home runs, 34 RBIs, batting 229. So he's not hitting for average. On base percentage of 340, OPS of 769. 
his career stats. He's got 61 home runs, 165 RBIs, batting 213. So he's not an average guy. But the Mets brought him in for offense to help this offense and bring some power most importantly, bring some power that's desperately needed because at the DH position, it's not been very much provided from J.D. Davis and Dom Smith. Dom Smith, no power at all. He hasn't hit a home run in a year. And J.D. Davis has only had, what was it, three home runs? And you look at the splits here against righties, batting 261, and that's where all his home runs come from. So if he can be that DH on the left side that Dom Smith was supposed to provide, we might have something here. We might have something here in Daniel Vogelback. It's sad that we had to get rid of Colin Holderman. And you look at Colin Holderman and what he provided to this bullpen. And in what was 15 games, he was 4-0 with a 2.04 ERA in 17 and two-thirds innings pitched. He had 18 strikeouts and a whip of 1.02. It's sad to see someone so young go. I know he's only been in the majors for just a short amount of time, but in that time, he delivered for the bullpen in ways that Seth Lugo and... You know, Joely Rodriguez, Jason Shreve, all these guys that the Mets had brought in have not delivered. And in the young guys, Adonis Medina, Yoan Lopez to a certain extent, Colin Holderman, they've delivered for this bullpen. And it's sad to see him go, but what were the Mets going to do? And what was Billy Epler going to do? Now, this is not fully on Billy Epler. Obviously, there is some blame to go because he could have addressed this in the offseason could have solved all of this but at this moment in time his hands were tied he was forced to make a move here if jd davis and dom smith provided production needed at the dh position then maybe holderman is still on this team maybe holderman becomes an asset in a bigger trade later that thought that idea is gone now not only that but the bullpen is weaker for this it is weaker at this moment. And you take a look back to Sunday. The Mets had, what was it, an 8-1 to one lead, maybe it was, or 8-2 to two lead going into the ninth. They bring in Joely Rodriguez to help out to clean up there and do mop-up duty so that Edwin Diaz can get a night off. Wasn't to be. Wasn't to be. As he gave up, what was it, four runs before they had to bring in, I think it was he gave up three runs, right? He gave up three He gave up three or four runs, and then they had to go to Edwin Diaz to close out the game, and Edwin Diaz closed out the game. Much needed because they were on the verge of being swept. But looking at Joely Rodriguez this season, 0-2 with a 5.60 ERA, his last 15 games, 6.94 ERA in 11 and two-thirds innings pitched, nine earned runs, and 10 walks. You can't have that from what is now your only lefty in the bullpen. We all know Chase and Shreve is gone, and deservedly so. He was awful. The Mets need a lefty. Could it be David Peterson? We saw David Peterson get in the game on Sunday. One innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one walk, one strikeout. Look at his splits. Peterson against lefties. Batters are batting 183. Lefty batters are batting 183 against David Peterson in 17 and a third innings pitched. If they can get this production from David Peterson out of the bullpen, it would help extremely. Maybe they don't have to rush to get a lefty out of the pen, which I've talked about, you know, the Andrew Chaffins of the world, even going back to Aaron Loop trying to trade back for him. But if Peterson can cement his position in that bullpen and be the guy to get the lefties out, then maybe the Mets can focus on other areas, like the DH. Now, going back to the Daniel Vogelback move, this is one of the moves I was talking about. 
that 2015 type of move when the Mets got Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe. I said it. I said we needed bench help, and we got it, right? Because whoever's not being the DH between Dom Smith and J.D. Davis is going to be sitting on the bench and is going to be coming up with pinch hits. Neither of them have been succeeding at all. DH off the bench, it hasn't been working. So maybe Daniel Vogelback will provide that because Daniel Vogelback is not going to be the only move the Mets make. They're going to go after a bat and then he can shift to either platooning at DH or being that bench piece that we need, that pop that we need, kind of like that Matt Stairs when the Phillies got Matt Stairs, kind of like that. We saw it on display Sunday. He went one for three, one run, one walk. Big debut for him. He broke up the no-hitter. Just what you wanted to see out of him. And I'm sure the power will come, but you put him in the lineup and look at the offense go wild. Eight runs. Just what we needed. Because the Mets hitting has been a disaster over the last couple of weeks. Batters six through nine have been a disaster. When you go from Eduardo Escobar, and then you have to play Luis Guillorme every day, and he's supposed to be coming off the bench. Then you have J.D. Davis and Dom Smith not doing anything. You're not getting any offensive production out of the catcher. It's like Death Valley. And those guys always seem to be getting the run scoring opportunities. You can't have the top of the lineup carrying the offense every day. They're going to have off nights, all of them. And when that happens, you're not going to get any offense. And you're going to have what happened in Chicago and against the Padres this past weekend. You can't have Pete carrying the offense every night. He had a huge three-run home run off of Musgrove. Channing MVP. I even chanted it on Twitter. He's been such a blessing to this offense, and he's contributed in so many ways. He's definitely the MVP of the team so far, along with Edwin Diaz. But hopefully, Sunday's offensive outbreak can carry over to the Subway Series. And with that said, let's get into the big battle for New York supremacy. So joining me now on the Subway to Shade podcast is Scott Reinen. He's the head of content for Blue Wire podcast and the founder of Bronx Pinstripes and also the Bronx Pinstripes podcast. It's great to have you on because it's a big week. We got the Subway series ready and two games at City Field ready to go. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm good, Anthony. Thanks for having me on, man. No, definitely looking forward to this uh, to this series. I wish it were longer than two games, but you know we got what we have, and uh, you got two teams playing really well, so it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of good, good, good two games. I hope. Yeah, and that was my first question that I was gonna ask for you. Are you you're more of a fan of that? You know, three games here, three games there, instead of this you know two game two game format. Yeah, I just you know I think when uh, I understand it's a little unique for for this exact matchup, but um, yeah, I do. I like the three game set you know I, I like the three game set it's uh with with the way that it's uh that is traditionally played this year because of uh, the the lockout too we've been having just so many funky double headers um you know i think the we just we just played houston for a couple got our butts kicked and then uh at the end of the year um we go to where is it i forget there's a double header right at the end of the, i think detroit maybe at the end of the year like three game three days before the season ends or something a, a double header in detroit out of nowhere it's just very random and very strange how they did the schedule this year even with the you know when we're playing division opponents it's been it's been odd it's funny that you mentioned houston i saw ranking i think they ranked they did a draft ranking the top teams to make it to the world series obviously yankees were number one then they had the dodgers at two they had the mets at three and houston at four and i 
I even questioned it on Twitter. You know, even though I'm a Mets fan, I, you got to be realistic and fair. They kicked both of our team's ass, basically. Yeah. I don't know how they got to fourth. They're a good team. They're definitely a good team. I think that when when you look at even when you look at the standings, I think the um they're they're only three or four games back in the loss column from the Yankees for the best record in the AL. So I think quietly they've they've definitely uh they've definitely been been right there. Um, even with the Yankees having, you know, a tremendous season thus far. Verlander's come back and been been fantastic. So um they're definitely a piece. And they they've had our number for for a long time. Obviously, uh, everything is well known about 17. But um, even even since then, it, it, they've been a thorn, and they're they're a good team. So definitely don't underestimate them. That's for sure. And we got the series coming up at City Field, two game set. You have Jordan Montgomery in Game One against Taiwan Walker, and then you got Game Two Domingo Herman up against Max Scherzer. What are you looking forward to in this series? Uh, you know, facing the Mets on the Yankee side. You know, I think that when you're looking at the matchup of Montgomery and Walker, that's an interesting one. Montgomery's been really solid for us all year long, even going back to last year. He's one of these guys that, you know, slots in probably in the middle of a rotation, but as has been uh, just a, a really good, dependable lefty. Uh, and, and his heart has a has a, a good mix of pitches, controls the, the strike zone really well, and, and can can go deep into a game even when he gets into some trouble early on he he's one of these guys that can certainly fight through it uh and give you length now the completely the opposite is domingo herman uh what i'm looking at is a, a rebound a performance from domingo herman he came up was was awful in his first in his first outing back up um houston again you know one of these one of these teams that just really uh really took him uh to the woodshed but you know he's coming back off of uh off of injury he's been minor uh, rehabbing in the minor league so he needs you know he the yankees have uh a vacancy in the back of their rotation right now uh, or in their rotation because of Luis Severino's injury. And there's an opportunity for uh, someone or two to people to, to really take this job by the grips um, because I think the Yankees are going to need it, especially with some innings uh, limits that are going to be coming up at the end of the year. So definitely looking at Herman and and, and really uh, hoping to get a much better start out of him. I have a feeling the the Walker-Montgomery uh, game will, will be a, a a good game, probably decided late. If, if Walker's pitching well, I, I, I assume Montgomery will come in and get a quality start. Um, that one's going to be to me the uh, uh you know a, a tougher game and then obviously with what uh Herman's going up against Scherzer right so yeah. or it's TB are they still TBD I don't know if he officially announced that but that's a tough matchup obviously Scherzer's been really good so but that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for Herman to have a, a good start you know looking at it from you know our perspective with the Mets and their offense which has been struggling even a little bit before the uh, All-Star break started, if Montgomery and Herman can somehow get through the first five batters in the lineup, six through nine has kind of been like Death Valley for the Mets. And it's unfortunate because we expected a lot from Eduardo Escobar. He hasn't really produced to what we think he could do this season. It's been tough for him. You know, obviously Dom Smith's an injury, but he kind of hasn't been doing much J.D. Davis has been disappointing, and then obviously you have the catchers who really don't hit that much. So if those two can somehow get through the top, you know, four or five in the lineup, it, it is, it's pretty good for e the Yankees, even though, you know, we have Scherzer on the mound because we saw it on Friday against the Padres, as well as Scherzer pitched, and even as well on Saturday as Chris Bassett pitched. If that offense is not, you know, running on all cylinders, it's going to be a tough go for them. What on your side, from the Yankee side, is um, maybe the weakness that possibly the Mets can expose on, you know, our side? Other than Joey Gallo, <laughs> um, I'd say that 
the 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 weakness right now is you know not necessarily weakness. There's there's obviously ebb and flows with with how a season goes. And uh, when you look at the Yankees and how they've played, they they've played very well. The pitching staff has been you know ex- the beginning the first half of the first half the first quarter of the year uh, they were lights out bullpen and and uh, starting rotation. Obviously some injuries have come up now, so I, I think the starting pitching is going to be one of those areas. And then when you get into the bullpen, they're definitely man down in the bullpen. Or Aldis Chapman doesn't have a real spot. We don't know what he is at this point. His mechanics are off. He's not throwing the ball over the plate. He's not pitching in the ninth inning, obviously, because that's now you know Clay Holmes' job. So does he find his uh, his his legs in a, in an inning that is not the ninth inning? We'll see. And then you know Loisga coming back from injury still needs to round back into shape. He's not been the guy that we saw last year. He was he was not very good before his injury. Then then went on the IL for a bit, and now now he's back. Has had some rough uh, rough outings since he's come back. So the pitching staff is the biggest uh, piece right now, and Montgomery gives me confidence uh, but Herman I, I don't know what to expect and you know assuming Montgomery can get through this game seven innings you know at least six to seven innings you know that at least set the bullpen up for uh for what you know what could be a potential short Domingo Herman start obviously you know I think what they'd be looking for is like if he gave four or five innings they would be very happy with that honestly so that's what I'm looking for I think Jordan Montgomery needs to give some length in that first game to set the, the Yankees up for success on the pitching side but then if you look at the other side of the ball like what to look out for Aaron Judge is scorching hot right now he can't Came into the the all-star break you know struggling but you know in a, in a slump just a, a bit of a slump not really a, a tremendous struggle but i mean he's been um, unbelievable he's just not missing if you make a mistake to him right now he's hitting the ball in the park he's been locked in so don't make a bad pitch to Aaron judge right now basically you you know you, you look around the league and you see some of these top players when they are locked in you just can't make mistakes to them and that, that's where he is right now so uh, we're hoping obviously that that continues um and he'll continue to be a a tough matchup but but he's good and ikf Isaiah kind of who's been the shortstop um you may ask some Yankee fans, you might get different responses from them if they like him or not. I love him. Uh, I think that he's going to have a much better defensive second half, but he brings a lot of what the Yankees need, and that's bat to ball, move the runners, get on base, set it up for the big boys at the top of the lineup. But he's one of those guys that can turn the lineup over nicely and and, and pass the baton um, and do some things on the base path. So uh, he's been hitting the ball well. He's been getting on. Uh, he's been clutching moments. So he's another guy that's uh, that's that's been that's been going well. And Rizzo has been struggling a little bit lately. Donaldson's been struggling a little bit lately. And Gallo, we're, we're still waiting for him to show up. Up or or ship out if if you talk to most Yankees fans. It doesn't seem like the Yankees offense has the problem that the Mets offense has is that it goes stale altogether. You know, at least you yeah. know with Aaron Judge, who's pretty much maybe the MVP, I think, of the American League and has just completely destroyed you know that whole division and that whole league and and playing it to well obviously he's playing for his contract that's that's a, an important thing but we knew the potential that Aaron Judge had this whole time and it was a matter of him staying healthy he's been able to stay healthy and uh, it's good to see him even as a Met fan it's good to see him succeed he's always been a nice guy and I always enjoy watching him play from from our side uh with the bullpens, I mean, both teams, it's going to be like the wild, wild west if it gets into both sides of the bullpen. Outside of Edwin Diaz, who is having some kind of year uh, I've never seen before out of anyone in our bullpen, getting to him has been such a struggle, uh, whether it was Seth Lugo, Drew Smith. Um, obviously, you're kind of having that issues on the Yankee side of things. And I assume that both teams are in the market for, you know, relievers come trade deadline, August 2nd, 6 p.m. That's when the trade deadline comes. What are you guys hearing on your side? Because I I assume that both teams are going to be competing for some of these relievers. I heard on the Mets side, possibly a David Robertson, Michael Fulmer. 
I've heard those names kind of thrown around for the Mets. What names are you hearing out of the Yankee side? Yeah, I I bet we're all hearing the same names because these are the guys that are available, you know, and and willing to be gone. I'm I'm shocked that David Robertson isn't a Yankee yet, to be honest. Uh, I say, you know, obviously we, we, we know him very well. He's pitched with the Yankees. He's had really good success in the, in the postseason. He's a reliable guy. He's 36, 37 years old, but still pitching very well. You know, take age out of it because uh, I'm just looking at what's happening on the field and the guy's effective, very effective. And I know that he can handle New York. I mean, so that, that plays well for both, both teams here. Um, I don't know at what point, you know, this is the Cubs organization who has him and there's no obligation for, for him to go to a place. Uh, that he wants to, but he's one of these veteran guys that that is not is not uh, you know getting a lot of money right now, and essentially the Cubs are going to take the best package, I think. So I think that he's going to have some kind of a, a say in where he goes. So that's why I'm hoping it's it's New York. But you're right, Michael Fulmer is having a really good year in the in the bullpen. You know, uh, a guy that came out won, won uh, Rookie of the Year as a starting pitcher, ran into some injuries, and um, I mean I remember when he was uh, you know he when after that after that Rookie of the Year there were trade talks uh, with Flavor Torres involved. Uh, you know, looking at him they're asking for uh, quite a haul and and now he's turned into a really effective lead, uh, uh, reliever same team Gregory Soto is another guy that I that I could see being moved um, he's got control uh, he's, he's a controllable uh, guy as well I think he's got uh, two years left on his deal so that's a that's an interesting uh, piece there that you'd have to give up some some you know pretty good prospects for I'd say because of the controllability of the contract there's a number of guys just a couple guys on Pittsburgh a couple of guys on Cincinnati that, that I could see going and, and then uh, you know Arizona's probably you know opening uh, opening their uh, their roster for for potential trades but I definitely think that the Yankees need to be going after one to two guys we did an offseason or a midseason GM plan uh Andrew and I Andrew's my co-host on the Bronx Pinstripe show and, and we did uh, a midseason just playing GM something fun that we like to do and I had I had a deal for Robertson and a deal for Soto in there so I, I do think that they need to extend uh and now with Michael King Michael King just came out he's been so good this year for the Yankees really feel bad for the kid because he had uh you know this was his breakout year he's a, a good dude um was pitching lights out really good like fun to watch too and unfortunately Unfortunately, he had a pretty pretty significant elbow injury, so he's out for the year. They need to retool. They definitely need to retool in, in that bullpen, which has been a strength. But that's that's one thing that Cashman has done very well in the past. He's gone after bullpen arms um, and and gotten guys a lot of times that are controllable for a couple more years afterwards. But he's not going. He's not he's not shy. He, he goes after those bullpen guys for sure. Once again, I'm here with Scott Ryan, head of content for Blue Wire Pods, founder of the Bronx Pinstripes and the Bronx Pinstripes Show podcast. Uh, let's talk about, I guess it's Juan Soto, right? I mean, a lot of talk about him going on from the Yankees side, the Mets side. I want to know if I get, if you get this as well from your fan base. Everyone wants these trades to happen, you know, right here, right now, today, tomorrow, whether they're struggling or not struggling. You know, and the problem I see is, you know, now that we've added more teams to the playoff format, it has made a lot harder to get deals done so early because so many teams are still in it. Heck, even Baltimore thinks they're still in it so they're not trading Trey Mancini right away and that's a guy that we've been looking at do you get that from a lot of the Yankee fans too it it definitely complicates things but I think what they're trying to go for is they're trying to add more people, more teams to the mix of, of being in it, adding more fan bases, obviously, to the to the mix. I, I personally don't, I'm not a big fan of it because I think it it um, it um just makes the, the, the regular season less meaningful. And when you're playing 162 games, like that's not a very good thing to do. You can do that in other sports that have a, a shorter season, but you know, it's a, it's a long haul. It's a marathon in a baseball season. So you you uh, you de-emphasizing what's happening in the regular season because of all the different playoff spots to me is not, not a great thing.
thing for the players, really. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky trade market. And I, I mean, Juan Soto is a, it, that's a complicated deal. That's a, that's a very complicated deal that is going to take a massive haul from any team to get him because of the controlled contract, because of the type of player he is, and then obviously what he's going to be looking for with an extension. But it's going to be a complicated deal. So I, I would be surprised, honestly, if, it, if, if a deal with him got done in the middle of the season, just because of the complication. And you are limiting the amount of teams that would be vying for him, I think, because of uh, you know, you're looking at, at contenders, obviously, um, you're going to get a hole though. I mean, it's, it's, it's well known, right? We, we know what happens uh, at the trade deadline midseason. You, you pay up a higher price to get a guy um, like that. Does that, does Juan Soto make the Yankees like a much better world series team? I mean, obviously they make his off the offense better, but the Yankees need pitching right now. And if they're going to give up prospects to get pitching or to get Juan Soto, that that's going to add, you know, create some, uh, or just leave some holes on the pitching side and, and they need that really to compete. So the Yankees offense is not the problem. You're adding a few more runs here and there, but does it really affect what the Yankees are uh, make up? Not a ton, to be honest. Uh, they need pitching. So I think Juan Soto is a tough one. This is going to be a buzzy, buzzy, buzzy trade deadline. I'm really looking forward to it. And on our side, I think it's Brian Cashman's most important that he's had to date because of the way that this team is set up, the way that the roster is set up. They have an, uh, you know, an opportunity to win now uh, and potentially next year, depending on who resigns. But you know, they, they, I think he's not. He needs to empty the tank right now and and get this team over the cuffs because they have an opportunity to win a World Series this year. And and I, I want him to go for it. I know the Nationals are pretty much in the driver's seat with the haul that they want, but I feel like outside of the Mets and Yankees, who I do think they hold their own destiny, and I think they have, they're in the driver's seat of this kind of trade as well because you know the Mets have the number two prospect in all of baseball and Francisco. Francisco Alvarez, um, they have Brett Beatty and Mauricio, and then the Yankees have Volpe and Dominguez, and they don't have to trade these guys. They don't have right. to give them up. And they could wait for Juan Soto to become a free agent because let's be real, Scott Boris is taking him right to free agency. I, there's, I have no doubt that he's not signing any big deal with if he goes to the Cardinals or the Rays. Like Maybe they could afford him, but there's no chance that he does not hit free agency at all. I, I agree with you, and that's why I don't see it happening midseason. I think it's just too complicated of a deal. And and exactly what you said, knowing Scott Boris, he's trying to get as many people involved, as many big market teams as in, in, involved. And if there are some that are, are not going to be vying for uh, the Juan Soto sweepstakes in the middle of a year, which I, I would assume a lot of them would be shying away from that sometimes, uh, he wants as many people in, in that bidding war as, as possible. So yeah, I think just adding Scott Boris to the mix here adds, adds to the complication of something, you know, a, a deal for, for Juan Soto. I, you know, from the national side, if you're looking at this as a, as the brass, like I, I don't even know how they contemplate uh, a deal to the Mets looking at Juan Soto for the next, you know, for the next 15 years terrorizing you. I mean, that's just, that's a nightmare situation for them. So, I mean, they would really have to believe in these prospects and, and, and uh, but that's a, that's a complicated thing right there. I mean, you're, you're, you're staring at a division opponent right in the face and you're giving him your best player. So that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, uh, you got to make damn sure that you're getting the haul back. That's going to pay dividends. The Mets are pretty set on starting pitching, especially with DeGrom coming back. I don't see them going after any big pitchers unless they go after like a Tyler Molle from Cincinnati, one maybe back of the rotation guy. But the Yankees could really use, you know, that top end of the rotation guy, especially from Cincinnati. Luis Castillo is available. Is that someone that you are interested in seeing the Yankees go after? Or maybe a Frankie Montas? Who is someone that you really want the Yankees to hone in on during this uh, trade deadline? 
Yeah, I think Castillo's definitely. I mean, he's. Been, I feel like he's been rumored for five years. It seems like every uh, trade deadline, Luis Castillo's name is is inserted into the uh, the talks here. But he's having a tremendous year. You know, I think the, the only thing that makes me a little nervous from him uh, is is his control. Uh, you know, he he's seemingly found his mechanics a lot better this year. His control is there. He's around the plate. But years past, I mean, that's that's been you know a big Achilles heel from is if he can if he can be over the strike zone consistently. And um, so that's it's going to take a haul for him as well because he's got another year of control after this. So you're, you're paying for a year and a half of Luis Castillo um, that, yeah, could be a number two to Garrett Cole. He'd absolutely slide in right now uh, as a number two to Garrett Cole, and that would be a big lift. So we'll see what they're asking for. I'm hesitant. to. I, I have a feeling the Yankees um, would not give up a, a, a Volpe or even a Dominguez for Castillo with a, a year and a half left. But if you're looking at another, the Yankees have another good uh, shortstop prospect that's up in uh, AAA right now, Peraza. Uh, I could see a deal structured around him. Um, but it's going to depend on what other teams are offering. Obviously, the, the bidding war is going to really dictate what the package is uh, is going to is going to end for um, for Luis Castillo. But I'm hopeful. Just don't think they're going to give up their two top prospects for him. All right, Scott, I know you got to get out of here. So I just let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter, all your social media, all the websites uh, for all of your content and what you're working on. Yeah, man. Thanks again for having me, Anthony. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me. Uh, I'm at Scott Reinen on Twitter and then uh, at Bronx Pinstripes. Our, our podcast handle is at Yankees Podcast. So I know lots of Mets fans are going to be going over and hitting that subscribe link to those. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to this. You know, it's a uh, city field's a beautiful place. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, fun two days. I, I really do hope there's uh, there's good baseball. Um, and, and I hope both of these teams are in it, you know, come, come October so that we can have the, the city buzzing around these two teams. To me, that's, that's when it's a lot of fun and, and, you know, God willing, we, we met in the world series. That would be just a, a lot of fun for, for the entire city and both fan bases. So yeah, I, I do. I don't have any malice in my heart for the New York Mets. I really don't. I think a lot of Yankees fans, uh, do and I think Mets fans do for the other side, but I, I like it when both teams are going and I and I and I, and I hope that they can uh, see each other at the end, man. So it's gonna be fun. So many great storylines can come out of that, especially in the World Series. You got Buck, you got Boone, Judge, yeah. Alonzo, Lindor, the whole thing, Giancarlo, everything could go well if they can get to a Subway World Series, and that's what we hope for. Scott, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. I love doing these kind of collaborations on podcasts, and I hope to have you on again sometime soon, man. Thanks, Anthony. That was Scott Ryan's. Scott is the head of content for Blue Wire Podcast. He's also the founder of Bronx Pinstripes and the Bronx Pinstripe Show Podcast. Make sure to check out his work, which I will leave all the links in the description of this episode. Now, I know we're all Met fans here, but it's always good to get another perspective. And just checking out what other teams are doing, Scott puts great content together for Yankees. And if you're just a baseball fan and you just want to see different teams and how they're going about things, you got to check out this podcast and the work that he does. It's a good follow. I'm following them. I think you should give them a follow as well and that will wrap up this show follow the subway to shea podcast on twitter and instagram at subway to shea listen to the show on anchor.fm apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and pocket Casts. turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of subway to shea if you're a new listener to this podcast welcome thanks for joining us and i hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. Let them know this is the Mets podcast to listen to. If you've been a supporter this entire time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you. And because of your following, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also reaches across the globe. So no matter 
where you listen to this podcast, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars, and leaving comments in the review section, it helps me to know how to make this show grow and how to make this better every single week. And you can also do that on Spotify. Now, don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. The latest article I wrote this past weekend was about the four highlights from the first half of the 2022 season, so make sure to check that out. I should have more articles coming along the way, and make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter, at Rising Apple Blog, and the Fan Sided Network, at Fan Sided. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much, and that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets!